When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. A day late, but well worth the wait. It is bonus scoop time with our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News, and of course, Score North Scoop Podcast fame. I'm Judd, the guy who is the executive producer, makes the show go, is Declan. And Doogie, uh, so so a very busy day at the trade deadline on Tuesday for the Twins. Tyler Malley, Jorge Lopez, and Michael Fulmer all obtained. I would like to say that when it comes to the Malley trade, you were on that for, I would say, a good two or three weeks, saying that he was the top priority. What I want from you now is spill everything that you know about how one of the, if not the busiest trade deadline day in the Twins history, unfolded on Tuesday. Absolutely. Don't forget about Sandy Leone as That's well, right. Judd, who is now a member of the Twins. What was your favorite Sandy Leone, St. Paul Saints memory? <laughs> he was activated on Wednesday morning. Caleb Hamilton sent down. So that was the backup catcher that they obtained i told you guys a few weeks ago that sneakily they were looking for a backup catcher knowing that ryan jeffers is still many weeks away now ryan jeffers held court with a few of us in the clubhouse on monday the cast is now off the thumb Mm -hmm. he has two screws now in that thumb the point is workouts can now ramp up with the cast off ryan jeffers slowly is making progress but in terms of a return to game action, like we're still a good four-ish weeks away, if not more, for Ryan Jeffers, thus the need for Sandy Leone. On Malley, yes, Judd, he was the guy that they wanted all along. Now, they were knee-deep in on Frankie Montes. They were in on Luis Castillo. They had a strong sense early on in the Castillo talks. Well, early on over the last five to six days, I mean, heck, they've checked on Castillo going back well before this trade deadline. But they got the sense that the Reds had another offer that just wasn't going to touch what the Twins were willing to do. And you see what the Mariners gave up for Castillo. Yeah. That was a lot. That was a shrewd move Mm -hmm. by Nick Kroll, the Reds general manager. So the Twins could not touch that. My understanding on the Frankie Montes talks were – that the A's just didn't like any of these Twins minor league arms. That, And I don't have the name in front of me, but the best arm that they got from the Yankees is somebody that they really, really like. I was also told that the A's front office can be tricky to deal with. Mm. That goes back to March when the Twins had all sorts of dialogue 
At one point, the Twins felt like they were making progress in a package that would have brought them Montes and Sean Manaya, both guys at the same time. This was before wow. they made the trade for Sonny Gray. So even going back to March, you know, just the Twins just – they didn't get a strong vibe from their dealings with the Oakland A's. But they were in on Montes until almost – the near end. Like, they knew a few hours beforehand they weren't going to get him. But it's not like they were told 48 to 72 hours prior that they were out. So they were maintaining healthy dialogue with the A's the way it was described to me. But, like, I don't think the Twins ever felt like they were making legit progress. Malley was the guy. Like, they had already struck a deal with the Reds going back to March He's a guy that they really, really like. There's a lot to like about him. He arrives into town today, might even be on the ground as we chat here at 12.09 p.m. Central. He'll throw a bullpen later today. He will start, the plan is, for him to start on Friday against the Toronto Blue Jays. That will be an interesting test, the way the Blue Jays' offense has been rolling. But like the Twins got, if he's not their game one starter, Certainly their game two starter. But even after Malley, Judd, they still were maintaining chatter about adding another starter. And, like, they were having all these simultaneous chats. Like Jeremy Zola, assistant general manager. Daniel Adler, assistant general manager. Thad Levine, Derek Falvey. Like, they were talking to the Pirates about Jose Quintana. Now, to me, Quintana, blah. Like, doesn't do a whole lot for me, although he's been okay this year. But, like, if the Twins had completed a trade for Jose Quintana and the Pirates in the last week had ramped up coverage of double-A Wichita, triple-A St. Paul. So the Pirates must have felt like, hey, we have a legit chance to strike with the Twins. Let's scout their double-A team. Let's scout their triple-A team. When I say scout, I'm talking in person. You can watch video all day long, but having representation at the ballpark. But, like, if the Twins had completed a trade, let's say yesterday, Judd, at 12 o'clock or 12.30 for Jose Quintana before he got moved to the St. Louis Cardinals, like, the Twins weren't going to say, you know what, on Mally, no, no thank you. Like, they were going to continue that chatter. But, like, they planted a lot of seeds. They talked to the Giants about Carlos Rodon, who we see wasn't moved. They talked to the Angels about Noah Syndergaard. Like, they had a bunch of different conversations. Heck, Jed, I was told at one point when they were talking to the Cubs about David Robertson and Michael Givens, two relievers who were moved, that there was at one point the Twins broached the idea of also obtaining Ian Happ, an outfielder. Now, Ian Happ is still in Chicago. But, like, that's what I'm talking about. The Twins explored all sorts of different scenarios. I will also say, Judd, the Twins have certainly made sizable moves going back decades at the trade deadline. I think about Frank Viola. What was that? 1989, right? So they've made some big moves. But I don't know in terms of them bringing in guys right. and the amount of guys. Like, yes. is Correct. there a comparable trade deadline? I, so like, this is, I looked. This is a new era it. Twins thinking. Like, we're not used to this sort of action. Right. right. And Michael Fulmer, pending free agent in all likelihood, won't be here next year. We can debate how good Jorge Lopez is. Two years ago, August of 2020, 
He was designated for assignment. He struggled last year as a starter in Baltimore. They make the move to him shifting to the bullpen, finishes 2021 strong, then has been lights out this year. But there are still question marks about Jorge Lopez, although to me, there's enough of a sample size that out of the pen, he's legit. We know he's not a starter anymore, but look at a lot of relievers in the game right now. Okay, They are converted starters. Heck, my guy in Cleveland from Moundsview High School, Sam Henches, one of my favorite people. Sam, former starter, now a really good reliever for the Cleveland Guardians. That's just one of many, many examples. But, like, I just don't recall, Judd. I'm glad you did the research. I don't recall a trade deadline, even not just the day itself, but, you know, the 72 to 96 hours, whatever it is, leading into the deadline, where the twin struck like this. So the fan base, I would hope, now there's a portion of the fan base that always wants more. You know, nothing is enough. But I would hope a good portion of the fan base is incredibly energized by what they pulled off yesterday. This might be a better question just directly to to Falvey or even Thad Levine, but I'm always curious when these trades go down that are right across the other dugout, right? So Michael Fulmer's in town, and yeah, he was a trade commodity regardless. Like, he was going to get moved, I think, whether he he was here at Target Field or at Comerica, doesn't matter. But I'm always curious and like, does Falvey just go knock on the door, you know, of the opposing clubhouse and like facilitate a deal like that? I'm always fascinated just like how a deal like that literally comes by. You know, Dustin Morse tweets out the photo of him literally walking across the bowels of Target Field, which we've done before, to get Michael Fulmer, who's literally 15 feet away from him. I'm always fascinated by how those deals shake out. Yeah, I think it was more some phone dialogue, Declan. Now, it could have been worse. Christian Vasquez goes from the Red Sox to the Astros the other day. He was on the field. He pretty much, it sounded like, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but like nobody from the Red Sox front office told him exactly. Like It was his translator. He has a translator, somebody that helps him with translation. And like reporters like just hopped right on him. It was just, it was very awkward Mm. how that, all unfolded. At least Fulmer had some time to digest everything right. in the Tigers clubhouse. Then, yes, the video you saw, you know, our guy Alec from, from the Channel 5 Sports Office captured that same video. A bunch of cameras were right there. Captured Fulmer making the walk down the hallway from the Tigers clubhouse to the Twins clubhouse. But my understanding is there was a good amount of, of phone dialogue going back certainly sometime before the start of this series at Target Field. How difficult, Dougie, do you think it was for the Twins to part with the prospects that they did? Because I was impressed. I thought they actually did a pretty good job of not even dipping into the top five. I think Spencer Steer at seven was the top prospect that eventually got dealt. Yeah, they're pretty happy on that front. They moved, what was it, the total number nine? Nine prospects yesterday, but like... I think eight. Yeah, yeah. or, you know, I guess how you look at Cano, who's... 28 years old, 27 years old reliever who's been up with the Twins this year. Still may have a pretty bright future, but maybe he doesn't count just with his Major League service time. He doesn't necessarily count as a prospect. So, sure, if you want to go with the number eight or maybe the number is seven, eight, counting Cano, it's eight or nine, something like that. So, I mean, we're talking about a number of guys that got moved. But you're right. Now, I will tell you, Judd, there are a lot of Cade Povich fans in the Twins front office. 
One of their higher-ups was recently in Cedar Rapids, saw him live. There's a lot to like there. There's enough to project. Maybe not as a number one or number two starter, maybe a back-end rotation guy, but still. Like, that's a pretty good return for the Baltimore Orioles. When you look at their bullpen, they actually have a guy or two who's probably better than Jorge Lopez. Just the reality of the situation. So the Orioles were able to deal from a position of strength, bringing in a pitcher who has a chance. But sure, if you trust the Baseball America rankings, MLB Pipeline, Povich was somewhere in that 19-22 to Twenty-three range. The only guy in the top ten, Spencer Steer, who I'm thrilled for Spencer. He is a major league player. I've said this for a while. He's got a lot of David Fletcher. David Fletcher in his prime with the Angels. Think about that player. I think Spencer Steer has that in him, but he's blocked here. When you think about Polanco under team control for multiple more years, Luis Arise, Jose Miranda. Where exactly was Spencer Steer going to play for the Twins? So I'm thrilled. For Steer, there's a clear path to the big leagues now in Cincinnati, maybe as soon as September, but if not September, certainly in 2023. So I am thrilled for Spencer Steer because I know that is a big league player. But sure, when you look at who the Twins had to give up, they were fine with it, especially to gain two pitchers. And if you look at the three pitchers they brought in, the two best are the guys under team control Yep. beyond this year. Plus on Mally, like to me, Judd, you offer him a qualifying offer, you know, barring some sort of catastrophic injury in 2023. And this is assuming the qualifying offer is here to stay. But like, to me, that's a no brainer. You would offer him a qualifying offer after the 2023 season. So if you lose him as a free agent, now I would bet on some dialogue happening well before then on a contract extension, but if you ultimately lose him after the 23 season, you would be able to recoup a pretty good draft pick. Cause I'm just telling you like a good starter with his track record still in the prime of his career. It's a no brainer to tender him a qualifying offer. So yes, like the twins are not, trust me, they're not all that upset. Maybe Sean Johnson is a little bit. My guy, Sean, the twin scouting director, although this points to Sean doing a really good job of, right. of drafting, right? Like look at, Look at the 2021 draft class. Like the top of that draft class is all gone. Yep. Right? Like Chase Petty went in in March, their first round pick. Now Povich is gone. The Michigan lefty, I forget how you say his last name, Heiser, Heiser. I don't want to attempt because I'm not saying it right, but the Michigan lefty, he was a top four-round guy, right? Like he's gone. You know, so maybe Sean Johnson's slightly upset, although he was probably more – upset deep, deep down that they had to sacrifice their third-round pick for signing Carlos Correa, right? But although he understood that, right? Because he was a part of that Carlos Correa workout in 2012. One of the best pre-draft workouts in Twins' recent draft history. Carlos Correa, Target Field, early summer. It was late spring, whatever it was. Late May, early June 2012. So I think Sean Johnson understood that. But no scouting director wants to sacrifice, you know, a top 100 pick like the Twins had to for signing Carlos Correa. But otherwise, like everybody, everybody's thrilled over there. Then when you look at the landscape of the division, the lack of action by Cleveland, you know, the White Sox bring in Jake Diekman, but, you know, that's a very, very, very minimal type move. The Twins have 19 or 18 remaining home games this month, 20 total 
here in the month of August. Now they need to get healthy, right? Like that lineup they tried it out last night. Now they hit the ball hard a bunch, but like 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. That lineup, like how are you going to win with that lineup last night? At least Buxton is back today. And Bu- and Buxton the got DH the knee role. and the Buxton got the knee drained again on Monday or Tuesday. Or, he did uh, earlier this on week. Monday. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, I tweeted that out the other day, Jeff. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and so let me let me actually clarify because I forgot to clarify last Thursday. Remember, we brought this up last Tuesday yeah. with the PRP injection. That's the only PRP injection Buxton has received. I clarified that on my own podcast, but for sake of this specific audience. But yeah, he now has had his knee drained multiple times, but he's able to DH today, right? I mean, this is part of you know, relieving some of the pain, the stiffness, the swelling. This is what he has to do, right? Surgery is surely an option after the season, but he wants to fight through the rest of this year. So this is part of of that process. I tweeted out the other day, Judd, that Byron is a machine. I truly believe, trust me, I've been around long enough, this team long enough. There's not a tougher guy in that clubhouse than Byron Buxton. But I had a bunch of fans go at me on Twitter, me using the word machine. What I mean by that, let me clarify on that, is I just I strongly believe if other players had to deal with what Byron is dealing with, Judd, they would have shut things down for this season long ago. Don't question that man's toughness, whether it goes back to his high school football days, yep. whatever it is. Trust me, that is the toughest player in the Twins clubhouse. I feel empathy for him. I feel bad. And and I also feel robbed in the sense that I would love nothing more than to see him play 150 games at full health because he is a magnificent player. One player I don't feel a lot of empathy for, who, of course, came up at the same time with Buxton with great expectations, Miguel Sano. Is Miguel Sano, and I think the answer is yes, but I'm curious to get your take on this, is he now done as a twin after being transferred back to the 60-day DL? Well, he's not coming back this year, and the option for next year is eight figures. I don't have the exact number in front of me. Is it ten and a half million, twelve million, fourteen million? It's at least ten million dollars. We know the Twins are not paying Miguel Sano at least ten million dollars in twenty twenty three. So he will hit the open market. They will pay whatever the buyout figure is. He will hit the open market. So yes, Judd, I think it's safe to say. I mean, I guess never say never. You know, I'll say it with a 98% chance likelihood, maybe I won't go to 100%, but with a 98% chance likelihood, yes, Miguel Sano has played his final game in a Twins uniform. He's a polarizing guy with fans. Like, like you got fans that loved him and still do, and some uh, like, like me who just got tired of what I didn't think was a real commitment to the game. But in talking to your sources with the Twins, Dukes, what's the sense there? Because, I mean, the... He came up in 15, I believe, and was just fantastic. And, like, there were there were times where you saw that this guy had ability that was really impressive. What do you think the feeling internally from the franchise is of a guy who they certainly invested a lot of time, money, and uh, sweat into when we end up like this? Well, certainly disappointment, right? I mean, going back to when he signed the extension, like – I don't remember a whole lot of second-guessing that particular day. Like, in that moment, based on the body of work that he had produced, it wasn't a ridiculous extension. Three years, $30 million. 
right? But when you invest that sort of money, Judd, you certainly expect more of a return. Now, they will tell you, when he was in Fort Myers, he has spent a lot of time in Fort Myers, unfortunately, rehabbing, that he worked pretty hard. Like, there were times where the work ethic was a question. Not so much recently. And I wouldn't necessarily bet against him helping some other team next year. Still needs to figure out what's going on when it comes to lefty pitching. Like, Because I think he can hit lefties. He did early in his career, just hasn't the last couple of years. But I still think there's a bat there that can that can mash lefty pitching. You know, he gets with the right hitting coach. Maybe it's a reunion in Miami. The Marlins can certainly use some offensive help. You know, James Rousen, I don't think James is is anti-Miguel Sunel. I'll just tell you that much. So, you know, that's one top of my head. That's just me, you know, if, if it's Thursday, recklessly speculating on a team that would make some sense. But whether it's Miami or someone else, like he's going to probably help somebody, Joe, but it's just, it's time, right? I mean, there are just times where where a yes. change of scenery makes complete sense. This would be one of one of those times. It would. But like going back to the decision to activate him a few days ago, like, Judd, that was a no-brainer. Like, they weren't going to designate him for assignment right then and there. Like, they were going to give him a chance, right? Like, because there were people right then and there saying, okay, the 20-day rehab window is up. Time to part ways immediately with Miguel. I'm just telling you, much like the Twins never for even a half a second considered trading Carlos Correa, they never once considered designating Miguel Sano for assignment in that moment. I certainly did. Um, on Correa, I know you did, and others did. On on Correa, uh, Falvey so, w- was asked about speculation, which I think started with Phil, about if you're not going to go all in the pool, that Correa should be traded. Now, the Twins, to their credit, did. So that didn't be- become an issue. But Falvey laughed at the notion that Correa w- would be traded and said... I believe the quote was, the goal is to, to keep him here long-term, right? Uh, hearing that, what do you make of that? And do you see a path more and more? Because it does look like he likes it here. Now, that might mean nothing. I, I want to be very clear. I'm not being Pollyanna here. But when you hear that and when you see how this has trended, what do you think the odds are that the Twins will make a competitive long-term, might not be 10 years, but a long-term offer to keep him? Because I think he's opting out no matter what. That being said... Falvey's quote to me could be interpreted to mean we are going to make an attempt to keep him on a new contract. They won him here beyond this year. Yes, unless I'm being fed a bunch of BS, but I've done a good job as I've aged here, Judd, sifting through when I'm fed BS. A lot of BS out there. I'm not saying I'm A-plus in that regard, but my letter grade is a whole lot better today than it was seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. Sure. I just, I firmly believe, I really do, from from multiple people, that he really, really does like it here. He does. It's a good. And now, like his guy Jorge Lopez is here, right? You know, fellow Puerto Rican. Like they've played on the same World Baseball Classic team. You know, they've had a relationship going back a bunch of years. Not that Jorge Lopez is going to influence what Carlos does. Now, I'm with you. I've long thought, going back to when they signed him in March, that yeah, of course he's going to opt out in November. Like, why wouldn't he? Why would he bypass unrestricted free agency at the age of 28? He's 27 now, turns 28 in September. So why in November, when he's 28, would he bypass free agency? 
I will tell you, though, Judd, so I was over there on Monday. I had a Twins employee just raise the idea that would it make any sense whatsoever for Correa to opt in to his 2023 contract, then elect unrestricted free agency November 2023 when he's 29 years old? That if you look at the rich shortstop free agent class, Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, go up and down the list. There is a lot of competition at the shortstop position this winter. This person just said, let's keep an eye on that. That he could say, you know what, $35.1 million for 2023 yeah. works. And I can still hit the jackpot when I'm 29 years old. Now, the comeback to that, Judd, is the Dodgers, whether they re-sign Trey Turner or go in a different direction. I know the Mets have Francisco Lindor, but Steve Cohen is willing to spend stupid money. Could you convince one of these guys to move to third base or possibly second base? Carlos Correa's arm absolutely could translate to third base, although a year ago he was the platinum gold glove. Winner. I wouldn't take my shortstop. And I don't think I ain't he's moving him. bouncing off shortstop. But I'm just saying if somebody threw him $320 million, right. would he at least contemplate the idea. I'm with you. I see Carlos Correa at shortstop for the next handful of years, even with that rocket of an arm. Yeah. He's a shortstop. He views himself as a shortstop. When you look at, you know, the history of that position, how he fits in compared to many others, he doesn't want to bounce from the shortstop position. I just wonder. This is just me opining. This is not me insiding. Yeah. I'm just wondering if Steve Cohen threw him, you know, 300 and something million dollars, hmm. would he consider it? But, like, the Mets are always going to be a wild card. What will the Red Sox do? Do they re-sign Bogarts or do they sign some other free agent? Are the Yankees content with Kiner Falefa, the one-time twin? What was your favorite Sandy Leone Saints memory? What was your favorite Isaiah Kiner Falefa twins memory? His car are got the Yankees lost. content with him? That's right. Are you, you know, if you're the Yankees, are you content with him? At shortstop, or do you go in a different direction? Now they're about to pay Aaron Judge. They got a, a prospect, so right? They may That's not. Right. They do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, who's a top twenty-five or top fifty guy? Yeah, I forget his name, but yes, they do. And so maybe the Yankees don't make a whole lot of sense. But my point is, you know, there could be some some big spenders. The Cubs. What are the Cubs doing exactly? But they're weird. The Cubs have money now. The Cubs have been operating like they're a small market team. It's weird because they've but lost. like at some point. Yes. And I get it. They signed Marcus Stroman to pretty good money. But, yeah. like, I wouldn't be shocked if the Cubs, right? There's been steam for a while, Correa to the Cubs, yeah. right? So, like, put it this way. If Correa opts out, there's some sort of, you know, there's a strong sense, right? Like, we'd be kidding ourselves if we said that there's zero tampering that occurs, right? So if Correa opts out, in late October, early November, whenever the season ends and there's that tiny window where he has to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Like, if he opts out, Judd, there's, trust me, there's probably a deal just about lined up. It may take some while, a while to come to fruition, but trust me, there will be something lined up. But bottom line, to answer your, your initial inquiry about Correa, like, yes, I do think the Twins are eventually. They haven't yet, but I do think eventually they make some sort of push. I don't know how high they're willing to go, but... I do think they make some sort of push to keep him. And I'm just telling you, my spidey sense, you know, unless I'm wrong on this, but I'm just telling you, I think I sift through enough BS to figure this one out at least. 
Like he really, really likes it here. So I'd like to think that maybe the two sides can come to some sort of happy medium that results in Correa right. being here, not only in 23, but beyond. On that note, I, I'll back you up by saying this. Um, one, I think that Falvey has learned. I, I think that he is now much more likely, as he did on Tuesday, to pounce on opportunities. 2019, they didn't. They did Tuesday. That's good. I also can't help but think that part of this, though, is driven by Carlos's presence. One, it might be one year. And so you go make trades to try and win now. But the second thing is, it's very clear that Carlos was involved in in at least advising or sharing opinions. Um, if anything, I think these trades are smart, but they are also, I think, an olive branch in some ways to Carlos to say, we are serious. Because if you had made like one Sergio Romo trade, right? He's going to be like, what are you doing? Our bull, you know... He's not dumb. The pitching was not sufficient. I find it very interesting. The first time that Falvey goes out and really makes a trade deadline splash, and it's smart, is with Correa on the team. And clearly, Carlos, um, I think probably more than we think, going to Baldelli and Falvey and Levine and saying, what are we doing here? Here's what I think we should do. Yeah, mostly Baldelli. I mean, Correa even told us yesterday that Monday night, on his way out of the clubhouse, he popped in, had a conversation with Rocco that Jorge Lopez's name came up just being one of his guys. But yes, Correa made sure that the front office was aware of where he stood on guys, on the situation. So yeah, yeah. it goes hand in hand. So yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how that situation plays out. But make no mistake, I fully expect the Twins to make a push to keep him. And he is going to listen and listen for a while because he really likes it here. Clean out the notebook, and then we'll, we'll of course, talk to you again, hopefully, on Thursday with Phil in tow. Well, sure. So briefly on the Vikings, with Irv Smith Jr. out now many weeks, we're not even quite sure he'll be back for the September 11th opener against the Packers. I know the Vikings are championing that cause, but right. let's see. Let's wait and see on that and like will he be ready to go right september 11th that's what i'm wondering like he's missing all this time yeah. so i was curious are the vikings making phone calls are they trying to sign a veteran free agent tight end mm-hmm. so i checked on a couple guys nothing with with the big names that are out there like eric ebron is one name out there right and we can debate if he's got any football left but when you look at the at the list of a free agent tight ends, right. that's as big a name or productive a name as there is. As of this morning, Judd, zero dialogue on Ebron. I'll continue to track some of these guys. I'm not saying it couldn't change. But as we sit here on now Wednesday afternoon, but I checked on Wednesday morning, just nothing going on with the Vikings trying to, trying to sign a tight end. I will also tell you, though, that the Vikings have been getting calls, right, as, as guys are getting antsy. Guys are looking for a job. Trust me, agents are like, okay, I'll make the phone call. We just saw the news. Irv Smith Jr. out for a while. Let me be proactive. I will call the Vikings. So certainly the Vikings have received some phone calls in the last 24 hours, but nothing really hopping on on the Vikings actively looking to sign a veteran tight end. Great stuff, man, and we will talk to you on Thursday, okay? Okay, sounds good, boys. Thanks, dude. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. 
It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.